This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, hello everyone. I don't know about you, but I love playing games. Do you? We are, I think, the Morgans are officially the most competitive family on the planet, whether it's tiddlywinks or any other game. I tell you what, we are serious when we take it on. I remember when the kids were small, we would even come out of Tesco and I would turn around to my five and six-year-old children and I would say, beat you to the car. And there I am as a 36-year-old guy. I would sprint to the car, get there first and say, beat you to my five-year-old Fionn. That's how competitive we are in our family. Are you competitive? Or are you one of these people that it doesn't matter? You know, that you'll be one of the people that talk about the rugby today and say, well, it doesn't matter. It's the taking part that counts. Oh. (laughs) It's all about the winning. I mean, why don't people just want to win? I mean, do you want to win at life? Yes. And, you know, this whole thing about competitiveness and games. I mean, I don't know about you. What's your favorite game? Any of you got games? Do you play games? Yes. Come on in. Shout out to me. What's your favorite game? Monopoly. Monopoly. Great game. That is officially my favorite game. I would, um, I would, after every Christmas time, I would absolutely thrash my brother at Monopoly. It was the one thing I used to love just to, I'd have all those hotels. I would just take him out. Anybody else? What, what game do you like? Backgammon, great game as well. I like that one as well. Anybody else? King's Court. Court. King's Court, yeah. Drafts or, sorry? Cluedo. Yeah, total game of fate, that one. I'm not sure there's much strategy in that one, but Cluedo's a good game, yeah. (laughs) Anything else? Whammacabs. Pardon? Whammacabs. Right, Whammacabs. Right. Game with four squares and whatever it is. I'll have to Google it after or have a lesson. My, f- my father's favorite game was chess. Oh, man, you're an educated man, as you can see. And he, oh, he would love chess, except he would take so long to make a move. Me and Ruth playing chess don't last very long because she says, you spent too long thinking. I says, yeah, I spent too long winning too. What's your favorite game? My friend Thomas Price, um, that I grew up with as a child, his favorite game was called Game of Life. Any of you, it's a game that goes all the way back to uh, the late 1800s, the Game of Life, and it's evolved over time. And I used to just far prefer, can, put, can we play Monopoly? But instead, he would always, did Tom want to play Game of Life and would invariably win. So that's why it was possibly his favorite game. But you know, the thing is, the reality of life is it's no game, is it? It's no game at all. And I don't know about you, whether it's the school of life or the game of life that we find ourselves in. It is a tough thing just to try and get through it all, isn't it? The ups and downs of it all. And I don't know about you, in the world of social media more than anything else, why is it you flip through everyone's feed and it looks so much better than what you're living right now? Isn't it? Isn't that the reality of it? Come on, let's be honest. Isn't it reality of life that we look at other people that maybe get a promotion or change their car or whatever kind of stuff or some people like get this, that and the other. I'm not just talking about material things. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about life. 
You know, that here you are maybe as a young couple trying for a baby and everything else like that's been going on for ages and ages. And God, will you just grant us a child? And then somebody else like pops them out as if they're like, you know, I don't know, cherries or whatever. Right? You know, what, what, what is going on in life? Don't you feel like that sometimes? Don't you feel that, oh Lord, for us as Christians sometimes we say, will you just give me a break? Don't you feel like that sometimes? How many of you are in church today and you think, it would be really good if God just gave you a break? Okay? It's the reality of life. It's no game. And we have to get up every day and face all of what life throws at us. And I wonder why it is when I read the Bible that as I read through it, I see exactly the same stories, okay? Not, you know, kind of first world problems that they have, like no internet. Or these kind of other circumstances happening to us that we have in our lives today. In fact, our lives are so much better than so many people that we read about in this book, aren't they? And yet, some of the people that we read about in this word, no matter what life throws against them. I mean, are you inspired by the book of Job? I am. Like, whatever seems thrown at him, you know, he can't just curse God and die. Like most of us would. I'd have given up long ago. But Job seems to have like a power within, or an energy, or a force, or something. He's like Iron Man. And he just seems to have this kind of confidence in God that no matter what comes his way, in the school of life, it doesn't really matter. Have you ever thought about it? Why? Why do these things happen? And Andrea spoke last week so well on a message that she spoke about being content with the content. And I want to talk to you this morning, if I may, on the subject of contentment. You see, contentment is a very, very powerful word. And I want to bring to you a message that is probably contrary to a lot of the way you've heard this subject preached on before. And the reason I want to bring it is part of it is inspired by Andrea last week. But lots of stuff that's going on at the moment with Brexit and with all of us going on, that, that you know, we can get so discontented or disenchanted or frustrated in life, we think, Lord, are you even out there? Do, do, do you not see the situation that we are in? Well, maybe all we need is a little contentment. And my message today is simply entitled this, A Lesson in Contentment from the School of Life. A Lesson in Contentment from the school of life. Will you pray with me before we turn to God's word? Father God, just come by your power, come by your Holy Spirit. Lord, open up our minds to hear your word today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to me to the book of Philippians. No, it's not a book that's been written after me. I would love to have had a book written after my name, Philip. But this is the book of Philippians. This is a letter that Paul is writing to the church that's just on the uh, east side of Greece. And it's not that the, 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 city, the city of Philippi is an ancient city that's been destroyed and gone now. You, it's just rubble. But Paul is writing this letter 
from a prison. He is in jail. Most of us as theologians uh, believe that this is the second time Paul was uh, imprisoned because he's having to write lots of things about chains and the situation he, he, he uh, writes about. Those of us that know when Paul was uh, imprisoned in Rome twice, the first occasion he was under house arrest. It was kind of, kind of quite in kind of under guard but in quite uh, lovely circumstances. But in this second uh, time that we believe um, that this uh, text has been written, we believe this is Paul writing this in the middle of one of the deepest, darkest Roman jails, possibly in chains, as he writes these words. Now, the reason I'm wanting to do that is to give you context so we can understand how he is in the middle of the situation writing these words that we're going to read now nearly 2,000 years later together in God's house here. Let's read it together. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 6 to 13. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, that's good, isn't it? You feel cheered up already. We could go home right now. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious at all. Don't worry. Be happy. But in every situation, so we're not supposed to be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Oh, good to have your heart and mind guarded. It continues. Finally, brothers. Now, he's writing finally because he's written, obviously, these letters. We believe that, you know, the theologians believe that there was like two or three letters written in different parts that he wrote that have been kind of combined into one that we read in the book of, of Paul's epistle to the Philippians. And he says, finally. So this is after everything that he's written about in the chapter earlier. And we'll discuss some of them in a minute. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Can I read that again? Oh, that's so, it's beautiful. It is like poetry, isn't it? Like poetry. Finally, brothers and sisters, that's all of us here, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is Admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And he continues. Whatever you learned, whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Make a note of that. The God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He goes on. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I'll read that again. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Will you say that with me this morning? I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And he continues. 
I know what it is to be in need. That's us doing it. I know what it is to have plenty. You know what that's like as well. Caris, a chicken dinner this week, left most of it on the side. Ooh, I'm full. She knows what it is to have plenty, right? Just in the form of a chicken dinner. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I'm going to read that again. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Will you do me a favor and read this with me today? Come on then. I have learned... Ooh, careful reading the word of God, folks. It'll inspire faith and it'll inspire truth in you. Who knows that you might end up living God's word as well. That we may end up learning today lessons in contentment from the school of life. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. Finally, he says this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Hey, I think that's even better that we read that today together. Come on, let's read this together. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Wow. Should we go home? If you're listening online, you can log off right now. Sermon done. It is an amazing thing to live a life of contentment. Like Paul is not writing that sat up on the top of Betos Mountain. He's not surveying the scenery in the middle of a June day as he's there sitting at 11 o'clock in the morning with the sun beating down on his brow and he's got a nice glass of cool water by his side and as he surveys the beauty of the whole of the Ammon Valley, he says, I have learnt what it is to be content whether I be in want or whether I be in plenty, whether I'm hungry or well-fed, I have learned to be content. Uh -uh. He is writing this in chains, being beaten up in a stinking, filthy Roman prison, the stench of which would make most of you all pass out right now. And it's in the middle of all of that that he puts pen to paper and writes to a bunch of other people that are in Philippi. You know, the center of business and commerce is like writing to people in Wall Street and saying, I thank you for all that you're doing. I pray for you guys daily and all of what God is doing in your life from his stinking, smelly prison. Does not make sense, does it? Does that make sense? No. Doesn't make sense at all. You see... There are four types of people in life I've noticed or I've observed. I have no, you know, any kind of big rigorous um, thesis around this. This is just purely Phil Morgan's observations. I have not written a doctorate on this at all. 
I have not even written one essay. But I want to explain to you today my theory about four types of people that are around us in life. You see, in the game of life, problem comes our way. In the school of life, we have lessons to learn. And by, whether we like it or not, we get up and we go to school and we have lessons in life every single day, don't we? But I have noticed that as some people go through the lessons that life teach them, maybe about bad decisions or maybe about circumstances that come their way, is there are some people that simply, number one, broadcast it. Oh, I tell you what. If there's something going on in their life, it's going wrong, it's going wrong with them. Do you know the broadcasters? Do you know them? You'll meet them. They're the kind of people, to be honest, okay, I'm just saying, I'm not judging, I'm just saying. I am just saying, they're the kind of people you avoid in Tesco because here they come again. You might be shopping, pushing your trolley or whatever it is you're doing, but you avoid those people because you know what they're going to say. In fact, my aunt Dillis was one of these people. Great name, Dillis. My aunt Dillis was one. You know, she was always ill. And whenever you'd meet her, I'd say, how are you today? Oh, if she was ill right then, she would tell you, oh, oh, I'm ill. This, that, and the other. And even if she was healthy, I would say, how are you, Auntie Dillis? She says, oh, three weeks ago I was ill. <laughs> Broadcast every single situation that goes on in their life. And in this day and age, it's even worse because their Facebook feed is full of it, isn't it? Or their Instagram is full about like, woe is me stuff. Do you know the broadcasters? They're the ones that just get in your nerves, aren't they? Or the other people, not just the ones that broadcast it, the second category, and I've got no thesis for this, but just follow me. The ones that fake it. You know the type. The ones that just kind of convince everybody else that everything's great and fine and dandy in their life. They try to keep things kind of reasonably positive or whatever it is. And, and some of them might be friends or colleagues of yours. And you know they're in debt up to there. But here they are taking another picture of them changing the car again. Or doing all this. Because they are just faking life. They're trying to, for whatever reason, present to themselves that life is fine and dandy on the outside. But deep down inside, we all know that everything's falling apart. Don't we? Do you know people like that? And you think to yourself, what on earth are you doing? Those that descend to retail therapy are thinking like, what is one, other, one another pair of shoes going to make you happy? I'm not talking about my wife here. I am not. <laughs> but is one more pair, of, oh, this, is, this is the ultimate pair of shoes that you need that will bring you joy and happiness and contentment in life. If I have those pair of red shoes, I shall be happy. People that broadcast it, people that fake it, or people that accept it. Well, that's, that's kind of even worse. Because at least there's some activity from the people that broadcast it and fake it. But the ones that just accept it, they go, oh, well, there we are. There we are, that's life. And you know, when I used to read this scripture as a child, that's what I used to hear all the time. Learn to be content. This scripture is not talking about accepting the things that come at you in life. It is not. Not teaching you to be content with it. Not teaching you to be content in it. It's teaching us to be content about it. Now that's different. You get a diagnosis that you don't like from the doctor. 
I mean, what nutter is ever going to be content about that? Oh, well, it is what it is. If it's my time that's up, so be it. What? I pray that you fight it. I pray that you have some courage and you say, this is not going to defeat me. I know that God's got a plan for my life and you speak truth. And that we don't just simply like accept it. And we don't just broadcast it. And we don't just do it. I pray that you turn to be a person that fights it. Yeah. And all the theology that I used to have as a child with this, I never used to be able to work it out. And it has no place in scripture. Because we will not be content until every person has heard the message of the gospel of Christ. Right up and down our globe today, there are people are fighting to take the word of God, people, because this is what brings contentment, is the victorious life. Not accepting it, but being content about it in every situation. I have learned to be content. That's what he's saying. He said, it doesn't matter. Like Job, it doesn't matter what you send against me. I don't really, you know, have a problem with it. Because I know there's a God that has a plan for my life. But I'm going to fight it. Otherwise, why would David, the shepherd boy, just not have said, ah, well, Philistines are going to come in. That big guy, Goliath, he's just going to take us anyway. Let it happen. Walls of Jericho, we know it's promised. Yeah, just leave them up there. Why have we got to do this second time going around thing, blowing the trumpet? Beep. Like, why have we got to do that? Why have we got to accept the fact that Ammonford is lost? Why have we got to accept the fact that there's sickness? Why have we got to accept the fact? Because of this false theology that we talked about, we are more than conquerors. We are fighters, and part of our power comes from the contented life that we're going to see the secrets of how to get at it from lessons that Paul teaches us here. Do you get it? So the secret of contentment is not just being comfortable about it, not being a person that just broadcasts it, not being a person that fakes it, not being even a person that passively accepts it, but that we fight it. And that we become like people like Martin Luther King. And we say, it is not right that people just because of the color of their skin are treated that way. Was he content? Was he content? No. But was he content in Christ? That's where his power came from. And that's what I love about true Christians. You see, true Christians that I meet, and as I get older and I reflect on it, and uh, this week was nine years since my father went to be with Jesus. Just a true, true Christian. He fought everything that came his way, in fact, cancer, and he died of a brain tumor in the end, but he fought it all the way. But was he content? Yes. Dad used to say, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. I'm ready to, co- I'm ready to go home, Philip Bach, but I'm going down fighting. <laughs> yeah. You see, the whole secret of contentment is for us to be content in the middle of the situation, not about it. 
content with it, content in it, but not content about it. You see, Paul says so many things. And he, you know, were I not but for these chains? He understands that he's there. He understands that he's prison. Does he want to be in prison? Is he welcoming it? Absolutely not. But he's content about it because he's saying, God, whatever you have for me, I am just going to know that you have a plan for me and a plan for my life. So I want to just leave you with four key things from the lesson in contentment from the school of life that we can learn in these scriptures that Paul talks about. You see, before even Paul begins and talks about being content in every situation and content in every circumstance, you said it this morning, you read it with me, it came out of your lips. To be content in every situation and to be content in every circumstance it needs four things from us. Are you ready? I'm going to give you rocket fuel for your soul today. I'm giving, going to give you shield of faith today and things that can empower us for the way that we go forward in Christ. Not words from me. Not words from even Paul the Apostle himself. But words from the very heart of God himself that are written in his word that we might learn and that we might live in victory today. First of all, lesson number one. Prayer and petition. Prayer and petition. In verse 6, Paul talks about this. He says that we come in prayer and petition. You see, writing a petition is when you're not happy with your lot, right? Some people get so wound up about things in our society that they'll go on to that YouGov website and they'll fill in a petition. They'll fill in petition for anything these days. I don't think it's appropriate that we have purple chairs in our church and you could start a petition right now if you wanted to. People start petitions for the craziest of things. Why? Why? Because it affects them and they feel strongly about it. So the stuff that affects us and we feel strongly about it, how's about we take up a petition and we take it to God? Everything. We take it to God and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on at work. And instead of putting it on Facebook and shoving it on Instagram, I'm going to take it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I'm not happy about this that's happening to my child. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what they say, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I'm going to come to you and I'm going to take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to say, God, I know you have a plan for my life. I, I, look, I don't understand this. I'm not content about it at all. I am petitioning you today. Are we petitioning him? See, Lord, Scripture teaches us, doesn't it? You don't receive because you don't ask and so often when you do ask you ask with the wrong motive do you know i believe that some people are just not living the contented life because they simply don't ask my father used to ask every single day i think somebody posted on facebook this week as i put up a picture of dad and uh, and someone had put on the, on the on bottom, one of the, which is so true, if they, knew, they clearly knew my father well, they said, if he said he was praying for you, you really knew he was praying for you. Father knew what it is to pray. He would get up, 5 a.m. he'd be up, so that he could have time in prayer before going out to milk the cows. Unbelievable. Every single morning, he'd be up, 
petitioning. And he had a life of such contentment, same as Paul, because he had learned to take it to the Lord in prayer. Are you praying? And are you petitioning? Because that's a lesson in contentment in life. Secondly, not just prayer and petition, but secondly, perception. Have you learned to perceive things in a correct way? See, because we can complain about what we have and got. We can complain because of what we haven't got when we don't appreciate what we have. You've heard the phrase, I think it's from Corey Ten Boom, who said, I used to complain about my shoes until I saw a man with no feet. So often we complain about so many things. So when we come with prayer and petition, Paul tells us, he continues in verse 6, with thanksgiving. Oh, I pray you come to him with thanksgiving when you pray, do you? That as you take it to the Lord in prayer, that we are saying, we're dressing all of what we have and saying, God, I thank you for who you are to me. I thank you that you know me. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. I thank you that despite the situation and circumstance that I'm not in a position that others are in, that we have an attitude of gratitude and that we truly learn to appreciate all of what we have around us. Do you know what? You're not dead yet. I mean, I mean, seriously, you're not dead yet. There are people today, there are families today grieving because of 39 souls that were lost in a refrigerated lorry this week. Have you got a heart of thanksgiving right now? I mean, what must it have been like to meet the end of your death in such a horrendous, horrific place? I have no idea. I thank you, God, for your grace on my life. I am 50 years of age today. I didn't die like some of those teenagers in the back of a lorry. That's appreciation. That's gratitude right there. And we have got to come with our requests and our petitions on the backdrop of understanding the gratitude and the perception that we must have to actually right-size things in our own hearts and lives. And Paul was there in the middle of everything, learned to be content in every situation and every circumstance. At least he was still alive. At least he's still in the prison. At least his food being brought to him. Number one, a lesson in prayer. Number two, a lesson in perception. And number three, a lesson in purity. You know, this is connected to the sequence of prayer and perception. You know, we can think of all the bad things in life. And he gives a huge list there. Remember, Dad used to sometimes, you know, when we would uh, go walking, like, like a real weird thing Dad would do sometimes. We'd be walking, you know, particularly in the spring or whatever it is. He'd, he'd go, Philip, Philip, little Philip. He said, Philip, come here, come here, come here. And he'd just been walking past and he, he would have seen something. I never forget it. Like, I'm like 9, 10, 11 years of age. And I'm thinking, wow, dad's stopping me. What are you teaching me? He says, look at that. And I go, what? Look at that. Look at that buttercup. And I say, you are? I mean, look at its color and its, look at, look at it, look at it. And I'd go down, and, and do you know what I do these days now? I'm sorry, I looked at it. I spent, 
about five minutes yesterday watching squirrels eating berries in the tree. And I'm just marvelling at, you know, one of them with his tail caught round. He's perched on his twig and it's swinging away in the wind and the rain and everything. And he's using his brush, his basil, to steady himself. Like I've turned into this 50-year-old person today that just looks at things with a different set of eyes. They don't get to see that in Syria, do they? And I've learned what it is to be content by having an attitude of gratitude because some of the things that my father taught me of for our meal, that's why in our house, that's why saying grace is so important, that we just don't come and we say, ta-pa, that we don't just say, diol amen, and hoik it all down, but for us to realize the privilege that's ours to have a meal today because there are people all over the nation that don't have that. And we get to enjoy it. Such is a contented life we should have. So many of you got careers. Look at all of you. You're so wealthy here. You've got jewellery on your hands and you've got nice clothes and you've had all of your inoculations. And some of you ladies, my, have you had your hair done and you're looking great. Are you not happy? And we can have a gratitude for those things. That's the secret of the contented life. And I'll say it in closing because this lesson is the final lesson. You see, if we have prayer and petition in our lives, that we come in prayer to God and we fight for the causes that are right, not just accepting it. That we are not content about it, but we're just content in it. And that instead of broadcasting it, and instead of faking it, and instead of accepting it, my thesis may be to you this morning is we should just fight it. And we should come in the fight because you can come against me with sticks and stones and you can come against me with words, but I stand in the strength of the Lord God Almighty. You can call yourself Goliath, but I know that I have a God who fights for me. You can so call yourself cancer but I know I have a God that fights for me you can call yourself sickness but I have a God that fights for me you can call it barrenness that just in many aspects of our lives that we just feel so much want and need but I'm not barren I'm fruitful I'm fruitful because God is at work in my life. I might look five foot and whatever it is I am here, but I'm ten foot tall on the inside. I don't care what people say anymore. I don't care what people, how they behave towards me anymore. Because I have learned to live a contented life by bringing everything with prayer and petition by having the right perception and by coming in purity appreciating all the things whatever things are admirable whatever things are good that we think on those things and what does it bring? lesson four peace peace and the God of peace will be with you. Do you want peace? Peace, peace, wonderful peace, says the hymnist. 
coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. Finish it with me. In fathomless billows of love. Do you feel his love today? You see, what makes us want to fight is love and contentment and peace. So whether it is about our government and the situation we find ourselves, whether it's about whatever circumstance you're going through in life, let's just learn to pray and to petition and to have a right perception in life and think of those things in purity for it will be the contented life we have. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in this moment that we have, Lord, where there are troubled hearts and souls, you bring peace. When peace, like a river, attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever, my Lord, you have taught me to know it is well it is well with my soul cause God you're so good God you're so This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.